expanding the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Episode 47 of Downer Nerdy finally has arrived. And I got to tell you, we're a couple guys that don't need a blue pill or a red pill because we're in the Matrix all the time. Yeah, it's because we're extremely tired. It, it just works out that way. I'm you, James with him alongside. I'm Rick with one arm, Nick Patel. Yeah, we're extremely tired. So it's like, you know, you stay up all night because you're up watching The Flash or marathoning, whatever, or you're watching the Jurassic World trailer a thousand times in a row. And you, just things just start looking weird. And, you know, it's just For me, all it's weird. Memes. It's creating memes for me Monday. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard, man. It's not hard for me, though. It's a struggle every day. That's why I had to have Darth Vader holding a toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, the response for the, the page this week has been has been great. Phenomenal. We want to thank uh, anybody that's listening to the show for the first time, too. You know, welcome. You're four, we're 47 episodes in. That means that's why you're going to stay up all, all night, because you're going to go back, you're going to listen to all the previous shows, and you're going to get caught up, right? Exactly. I mean, we had our, also had our first giveaway, too. So congrats to Peter, who won two, uh, two gaming passes for Dave & Buster's. You know what I think we should do? What? I'm just thinking outside the box here. Why don't we do, just for people who are listening to the show, Okay. why don't we do like a secret code word or something? Okay. Okay, so at some point during the show, we're not going to tell you what it is because... It's vagina. Why would we do that? Some point during the show... It's Joe It's It's Casada. Never. <laughs> never Casada. That is no secret. Ever. <laughs> Uh, no, seriously, at some point during the show, we're going to give you a secret code where we'll let you know that it's a secret code word. We're not just going to say a word and expect you to remember it. Right. So then once we, you know what the secret code word is, here's the deal. How do we, why, do we, why don't we do it this way? Okay. They can either go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash down nerdy, and message us. Don't post it. Message it to us. Yes. Because you don't want to let anybody else know. What well, the not just that, but you don't want to be that person. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Or you could tweet us at downandnerdy757, or you can email us at downandnerdy at gmail.com. Downandnerdypodcast. Podcast. Gmail.com. Yes. yes. So, how about we make it this way? If you do all three, you get three chances to win. Yes. So, you'll triple your chances. So, message us on Facebook, tweet us on Twitter, and email us. And those will be your chances to win. Yep. I like this idea. I like that idea. So it's going to be at some point during the show. So, yeah, you're stuck with us until you hear the code word, at least. But you're going to want to listen this week because we've got a big-time controversial topic that we're going to do. Exactly. We're going to be talking about diversity in comics. Uh, so it's going to be pretty interesting. We're you know talking about what kind of main topic can we do. And the topic of diversity kind of, you know, something we both wanted to talk about. Well, after the whole Jimmy Olsen thing went down yeah. with the Supergirl casting, we were like, you know what? I, we th I think it's time. It's time. That, that we tackle this. So that'll be coming up a little bit later on the show. Of course, if you're new to the show, you know, we've got nerd news coming up. We've got what we're reading this week in Geektainment. All kinds of great stuff for you. But this is our first segment, so we're going to talk about what we did this weekend. And, of course, start on Friday because the downloads, man, they keep on pouring in. Man, it's it's been such an incredible ride for us the last couple of weeks. And, of course, thanks again to the folks at Dave & Buster's. Uh, for their cooperation, their partnership. Yep. Can't wait to be there for our 50. Oh, I know. Episode. And by the way, RCPs people, we did create a, a a page for that, and RCPs are filling up pretty fast. So you want RSVP because there is a limited amount of space. And we are going to be doing a special giveaway for those people that have 
are already RSVP'd yep. on the event page itself. So RSVP people, if you're listening, we haven't forgot about you. You're going to be one of the next ones coming up. So if you haven't RSVP'd yet, you do it now, and you'll be in on that too. Also, we're working something out with Bob over at Fancy Save Comps and Cards as far as giveaways are concerned. So stay tuned for more info on that. I mean, there's just so many of these $20 uh, gaming coupons for Dave & Buster's that oh, yeah. we have to give away. Of Dave Buster's and, and I just want to say again, thank you to Dave & Buster's because ever since we announced our partnership with them, are you know people more people are liking the page words are getting out more people have been loving what we're doing and so a bit again and the same thing to bob too you were out there yeah i was busters. out there on saturday i uh on saturday you know i posted my twitter at merc with one arm i said you know i go i'm enjoying i go i'm celebrating our partnership and i put us a picture of the batman game by the way i beat the transformers game yay, yay! Well it only done. took me like five swipes of my well. power card to beat the thing you know, that's what it's there for. That's the beauty part of the power card, too. You know, you remember the days we had to fumble with quarters and oh, stuff? Oh, yeah. You know, you've got the continue sign flashing in your face. You go in your pocket. No! Or for me, it was my father who took me, literally, when I was a little kid, we, there was a place called Funscape, and then there was an arcade prior to that we used to go to called Sports Star 2000, which closed on Funscape, opened, and we went there. And, of course, that sadly closed, but... My dad, he was like, okay, let's put, because $5 got you, I believe it was like 25 tokens. Mm -hmm. um, and my dad had them in his pocket, and we walk around. And Funscape was awesome, because Funscape, it was in Cicero, New York, and um, which was, like I said, it's a part of Syracuse. And it was a two-story arcade. Uh, there it, was a two-story arcade where I went to in New Hampshire, too. And yeah. it was the way that it was, and the thing was, they had like laser tag and, and miniature golf, and they mm -hmm. even had a roller coaster simulator and everything like that. But what was cool about it was downstairs was kind of where all the ticket games were. And you go upstairs where all the fighting games were, all yeah. the arcade-style games were, you know, pinball. Um, I love pinball so much, dude. It's so it's probably, I literally, when I get to the house, or even in the, you know, my room in my apartment, I want to buy a pinball machine. They actually just came out with a new Walking Dead pinball machine that looks pretty sick. But see, the, what I want to go with, I want to get the Jurassic Park pinball machine. Yes, that was the that and the Simpsons were some of the best pinball yeah. games out there for sure. Oh, yeah. And it's just, but then, you know, I always want to get the Jurassic Park one, but then, you know, it changes from time to time. Oh, you find course. one that, like, oh, I didn't know they made that. But then you realize they have a pinball machine for much everything. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but no, I mean, so I went there on Saturday and I just, like I said, I played a lot of games. It was a lot of fun. I had some food. I had the cheesesteak. Did I not tell you? And it was amazing. I told you, best cheesesteak in, in the Virginia Beach area. Barna, no disrespect to other restaurants in the area because I know we've got some But they, they actually, even on the, on the menu, they even says they import the stuff from Philly. Yes. That's important for people who don't know that about cheesesteaks. It's very important, and it shows. Well, it, well, you know, when I lived in Los Angeles, you know, of course, being from New York, pizza is the main thing you get. So when I was in Los Angeles, I'm like, you know, where's a good place to get, you know, pizza? Mm -hmm. Of course, there are the chains, you know, stuff like that. But I'm like, no, nah, I want to see if I can actually s scout the area. And there was a place, I can't think of the name of it, but it was owned by, or actually is owned by, uh, Robert De Niro's ex-wife. And And the thing is, people don't know, now I'm going to drop some Italian knowledge on you. When you're making pizza, the most important thing is the water you use for the dough. Oh, no doubt. And mind you, I'm in California. There's not a lot of water there right now. No. Um, but they actually import their water from New York. And the, I swear to God, it was one of the best pizzas I've ever had in my life. It's crazy how something small like that can make a difference, but it really does. Yeah. It really does. Like, I had... Uh, Deep dish pizza that was actually imported from Chicago. All right. You know, and so, I mean, you can go to a place like Uno's or something and get deep dish pizza. But see, I'm not a big fan of deep dish. But if you do it right, and I understand that because not a lot of people are, but if you do it right, get the stuff like that's actually from see, Chicago. The thing, is, the thing is, like, being, I'm telling you. being a New Yorker like me and saying I love deep dish pizza over the thin crust is kind of like saying I'm from New York, but I'm a Red Sox fan. Well, I mean, 
I'm a, I like pizza of all kinds, but I will always go back to the New York style being from New England. Either way, it's sacrilegious. My thing. You know, I'm, I'm always a New York style guy, but I've always wanted to know what the big deal was about deep dish. And then I tried one that was actually from Chicago. And I'm like, oh, so this is what the big deal is. I <laughs> right. get it now. Right. But again, I went to Dave and Buster's, had a lot of fun, played a lot of games. And it was it was really fun. You know, um, I want to see American Sniper. And uh, I give that movie eight out of ten bald eagles of freedom. I'm not going to do my bald eagle screech because I'd like for our listeners to, to keep their ears. Yes. I'm just not going to do that. It's kind of like my Deadpool screech from a couple episodes ago. Except it'll shatter glass. Yes. And and we don't want that because we no. want you to keep your nice things. Yes, very much so. But I mean, that's pretty much my weekend, you know, and of course this weekend I'm going to be on the uh, Blockbluster podcast. Yes. Um, And it's going to be fun. We're going to be talking about uh, Chasing Amy and Long Lost Loves. So when oh gets, boy! <laughs> they're, they're, I hope they have a big one of those big Tupperware bowls for the feelings. Get the spoons gonna, out, bitches, because wow. we have a big bowl of feelings. By the way, Tobias and the gang over there—that's copyright by Down and Nerdy. By the way, yep. There'll be no bowls of feelings outside of this show. I can tell you that right. Well, unless you're on it, unless you're they, on, they won't allow it. You know, yeah. it's like it's like a bar, we're gonna let you borrow the bowl of feelings. Yes. But uh, as far as my weekend went, we actually kind of had like. I call it an unintentional family day Okay. where we were just kind of out and about. I can't remember exactly why we were out, but we ended up um, going to a local restaurant in the area called the Village Inn for dinner. Best pie ever. Really is. And they've actually got a chicken sandwich there that's pretty awesome, right. too. I mean, my wife always gets the breakfast because, the, you know, it's breakfast oh, yeah. all the time. It's like Waffle House, but for people who weren't poor. Exactly, and it's <laughs> and it's like a local place too. It's it's almost one of those. You know, they always say, "Well, only the locals know about this place." Right. This is that kind of place. But the difference is, is we were there at like ten o'clock at night, right? Which was weird because we, you know, you don't usually eat dinner at ten, but we were or out. Even breakfast. I mean, it's kind of like when you go like that. Like when my friends and I we were in college, we used to go like like I said it, but Waffle House. You know, we'd be filming, doing something. Let me get late, or I had a roommate deliver me. He'd be literally like one in the morning. He's like, "Hey man, I'm kind of hungry." He's like, "You want to go to Waffle House?" It's, sure, why it, not? It's dinner. I mean, it's IHOP, Denny's, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I had, I had somebody tell me one time uh, when I was working nights, uh, it was five or six o'clock in the morning, and uh, they said, "So you want to go to IHOP?" And I looked him dead in the eye and I said, I want to go to bed. <laughs> you know, I'm 30 years old, damn it. I wanna, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. I want to go to bed. I don't want to go to IHOP. Yes, I am that old guy now. Yeah. I'm the guy that says, no, no IHOP. It's 6 o'clock in the morning. I want to drink a warm cup of milk or whatever, <laughs> and I want to go to bed. No, and You are that old guy because I'll be like, hey, buddy, can I come over and see the baby or hang out? You're like, oh, you know, man, we got to do this. We got to do that. I'm like, wow. But it's so true. You you just wait. I haven't been Ten over. years from now. I haven't been over your house since we recorded The Bastard Child. That is our first episode. Wow, is that true? Yes. That, was the that first, doesn't seem right. That was the first and only time. So it's been almost a year. That you doesn't even seem right. But yeah, you know what I think about it? I think you're right. We got to write that wrong. Wow. Yeah. I'm a terrible friend. You're a terrible friend and a horrific guest. I am a horrific guest. I really am. Yes. Although I'm, well, I, I always, say host. I say host. When you come over my apartment, you're pretty cool. But you know, I, I, I keep a clean area. You do keep a clean That's area. That's for sure. I always pick up my trash. Yeah. And uh, by the way, for people that don't know, at Nick's apartment... He is the smallest trash can ever. Hey, don't talk shit about my trash it's can. Like if you, it's like the kind of trash cans you could pick up at Office Max. You know what, hey. You know the tiny ones that you put by your desk? <laughs> He's got that in his kitchen. But you know what, though? It's not the size of the trash can. It's how you use it. That is true. 
That's right. I can <laughs> I can put all kinds of trash in there. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's enough about trash and uh, what we did this weekend. <laughs> Coming up, we, we have a couple of comics that hopefully we won't throw in the trash because we're going to be talking about what we're reading next on Down and Nerdy. All right, nerds, it's time to pull out those long boxes because it's time to discuss what we're reading this week. And I'm going to go first, James. I decided to go flashback this week. All right, not literally the Flash. No. Not talking about Barry Allen, Wally West, none of that stuff. None of that stuff. I'm talking, let's go back to the time of 1996. If I had a harp right now, I'd play you in. Yes. You don't. Thank God. Thank God you're not in the diaper, nor do you have cherub wings to buy them from your back. No. But uh, I decided to go Gen 13, Chapter 9, Fire from Heaven. Interesting. No idea what that is. Go on. It's from Image Comics. It's pretty much their version. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't hold it together. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's from Image Comics, James. All right. And it's pretty much the version of X-Men. Ah, very cool. All right. I'm on board. Okay. Now, this was issue 11. So, again, it's one of those things where you start from the middle. But in some cases, like Wonder Woman, you start from the middle, you can pick up you from there. You never know. Here, you cannot. All right. Good to know. Um, now, it's written by Brandon Choi and J. Scott Campbell and Jim Lee. Uh, Ooh, Jim Lee, nice. Okay. Uh, art is by, of course, Campbell and Terry Shoemaker did the pencils. Alex Garner, Tom McWeenie. Yes, McWeenie. That is very unfortunate. <laughs> uh, John Teague, Rich Friend, and Tom Rainey did the inks. Uh, Joe Chiodo and Martin Jimenez did the coloring. There's it. more people on this comic than Batman Eternal. I just realized that. Yeah. That's a lot. But, you know, hey, good for them. All-star cast. So, you wonder like, what the plot is. Well, the gen, they're called the Gen Actives. And it's like this group of heroes, and they're taking on what's called uh, Damocles, who is the destroyer of worlds. Now, you get a look at Damocles. Who does he look like? He looks like Galactus. I ah, shit you not. Makes sense. Um, and it opens up, like I said, this is issue 11, so, of course, they're just starting to fight, and they're getting the crap beaten out of them by, by Damocles. Uh, and they have to stop them. Now, the thing about this book, while the art is, though, you know, almost 10 years or over 10 years old because of the comic, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's very detailed and beautiful. Like, it, you know, and it had, again, it's an older comic, so it has that kind of warnish. this is an old comic look and even feel to the pages. Um, and again, it's a version of X-Men, which I've, you know, you can just tell, like, okay, there's a guy who shoots fire and everything else and stuff like that. Now, there's a lot of negatives, though. Um, wow. It's it's hard to follow because it's very dialect heavy. Is it hard to follow because you're jumping in issue 11, or is it That's hard to part follow of it. because of... That's part of it. So you really don't know who these people are. You don't know what the power... You know, certain powers are, mm-hmm. who's the good guys, bad guys, whatever. Um, so it's, it's not something you can jump right into. You have to start at issue one and work mm-hmm. your way up. Um Parts of it, even with the writing, felt all over the place. So, like, you're re- for example, they didn't know how to balance out. Because you know how when you have, in comics, you have bad guy panels, good guy panels, oh, except yeah. for yeah, one yeah. another. They didn't know how to, I think they really knew how to contrast it. With Choi and Campbell and Lee, they didn't really know, I think, how to really contrast and, and even it out. Because when you're hearing these the, the, the Gen X's, or Gen Actives talk, and then all of a sudden just shoots to, like, you know, immediately to Damocles and the bad guys, and it's just like back and forth, back and forth, and it makes no sense. You gotta get lost. So, so again, it's very dialogue heavy. Do you think this is a case of maybe too many cooks in the kitchen? Very is? much so, yes. Um, when artists, it doesn't matter because like the art's great, but when it comes to writing, it kind of felt like each three of these writers wanted to get a word bubble. Because I swear to God, there's not one panel that probably has less than four bubbles in it. Everybody's elbowing each other for pretty panel much, space. pretty much. Um, and that's no, that's the thing. Like a lot of the, the, the panels were at least. 
two two or more characters to each panel. Wow. Um, pretty much. That's not very common if no. you think about it. Um, and so it's all over the place in Dinosaur storyline. The ending is pretty okay, but there was parts of it when I was reading it. And again, it was, I think more of it falls on you know. I get I got this. You're asking me like Nick, why is it you doing issue eleven? Well, this is one of my comics I had when I was a kid. This is why I didn't know much about the numbering. When thing. you're a kid, you just picked up random comics exactly. anyway. You know, that's just the way it was when you were young. Well, it's like when you look at like like one of the comics I reviewed weeks, maybe a month ago or so was Marvel Adventures, and but that those stories were separate from one another. Even right, though exactly. they had different numbers, they were in a sense separate from one another, so you can just pick them up and go. Right. Whereas this one, again, it's it, it kind of took me out of it. There was times where I found myself skimming over stuff. That's I'm never like, good because I'm like, this is very very heavy. Um, and, and, and dialogue, and I'm like, oh, God, what's going on? I don't know what's going on, you know, stuff like that. However, I will say this, despite all the negatives, this is a buy for me. However, you have to pick it up from the beginning, from issue one. So is this one of those things where if you found yourself given the opportunity, you'd go back and yeah. try and understand? If, if it, 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 because the thing is, I like the fact that this is Image's version of X-Men, in a sense, Um and the art's very good. I, again, it's one of those things where you would have to literally have to go back to issue one and read through. Well, let's do it this way. How about we, uh, if anybody's read this series already from the beginning, let us know. Facebook.com slash Down and Nerdy. Let Nick know, is it worth going back to yeah. issue one and starting from the beginning? Now, mind you, going back to issue one might be tough because yeah, this was made in 96. Well, I mean, if somebody has it on hand, like you had it on hand, right. somebody might have like the first few issues. Is it worth, do you know that this is worth going back and right. checking out? But I, I like the fact that like, like Image... Literally, and this was the time back in the '90s. Image was always number three. To yeah, the top they were two. they were new. They were brand new. Yeah, but I'm saying like when it comes to like sales or anything, they were always mostly in in third place. Mm. And like I said, the, the writing, like I said, in times it felt all over the place because it might have been there was probably most likely too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, but again, it's it's one of those things where even though it's easy to bash because of the writing and there's so much of dialogue that maybe if you go to the beginning of issue one and you read through, you can kind of like decipher through that much more easier but that's my pick james and tell me about yours uh actually i went to indy as well this week i decided to go with idw and revisit our old friend winter world okay and we're at uh, number seven this week now as far as who the uh cooks in this kitchen are it's uh chuck dixon does the writing it's illustrated by thomas Garello, and the colors are by diego rodriguez letters by robbie robbins now I got to say that I've been on the fence about Winter World for for a few issues now. And basically, they have picked up this, uh, I say Spanish girl. I think she's Puerto Rican. They they don't really make it clear in the issue. And it's basically, they they basically escaped from this cult, uh, Scully and Wynn did. And she stole their vehicle that they had. And they were trying to track her down. They did. They kind of took her hostage. But she said, I need to get back to my people. So now this is kind of like the side mission that they're on. Now, keep in mind, the mission that they've had from the beginning was to try and find Wynn's parents. They've really gone off the rails with that. Right. That's a non-issue now. Question, is it kind of like Batman Eternal where... They kind of went away from Jim Gordon's storyline for, like, a good amount of issues. The only difference is here is that they kind of offhand mention it. Okay. That Just to let you know, hey, this is still what we'd so like to do. So it's more of, like, in passing, kind of like a reminder kind yeah, of Yeah, exactly. And it, I'm not going to lie. As, as I was going through this, um, Scully was very non-trusting of pretty much everybody anyway, but especially of this woman. Mm. So it was interesting to find out 
in the first couple of pages of this issue that they were in bed together in the back of the in the back of the vehicle. Oh, okay. Which is fine. But what Titanic was creepy, style? what was creepy was is that Wynn kind of catches them, quote unquote. <laughs> And she gets all mad. Now, keep in mind, Wynn's like 14-ish, and we were talking about that before. Is is it creepy? And she gets that very angry kind of what-are-you-doing thing, and there's a whole, you know, you're a kid, and he's interested in me kind of thing, and I'm like— That's just very, very weird. Okay, we're towing the line here. They don't really go there, go there, but it towed the line enough for me where it was a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And of course, Wynn's like there's a panel where Wynn's driving, and um, and Scully's trying to say, you know, she's not so bad, and she takes a hard corner and throws him into the side of the vehicle because she's mad at him, kind of thing. But I mean, they do end up finding uh, her people, and there's something going on there. I don't want to give it away just in case you uh, haven't caught up on the series yet. Yeah. There is something going on there, and then they run into. Um, Skitters, who's a guy that's been following Scully for years, trying to, you know, basically kill him. So they run into him. There's a big confrontation there. And there is something that happens at the end of the issue with that confrontation. Again, I don't want to give it away for anybody that's not caught up in the series yet. But like I said, I've been kind of on the fence with Winter World for a few issues now. And the characters, it was hard to be interested right. in the characters anyway. Was part of it because of that whole she's 14 kind of thing playing in the back of your head, so you're kind of like, it's not, it's not usually a problem in most of the issues, but recently, like that particular issue, they bring it up, and maybe she doesn't mean it that way. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just that, hey, this is a person that I've been with this whole time. You just got here. It's kind of like, let me put it this way, maybe it's not so much um, romantic. Maybe it's more of kind of like, you have a single father, right? And he has a kid. All of a sudden comes this new woman. Daddy ain't spending so much time with the kid. And that could be part of it too. But but it was the fact that they she kind of caught them in bed together. And they hated each other the issue before. Right. They Let me put it this way. They left it ambiguous enough that it makes you a little uncomfortable. Yeah. So, I mean, that it, there was that. And then it's like, okay, do I really care what happens to these characters? Like in the last issue, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Wynn almost gets eaten by an orca. Okay. Basically, as a sacrifice for this cult. Right. And I found myself, now don't get, I know she's 14 and don't take this the wrong way. I'm talking about just as far as caring about a character. I, as I'm reading this and as I'm flipping panel to panel, I'm like, do I care if she dies? Right. And I didn't really. Right. So then I decided, well, if I don't care, then why am I reading this? So I'm, I think this is a drop for me. Now. Really? I I've I think I've that's, given it seven issues. That's what two weeks in a row you've and had drops. It's not keeping me interested enough. Right. It kept it kept me interested to the point where okay I've got to finish this. But like you in this issue, I found myself halfway through skimming because like come on get to the point already. Yeah. And they just weren't. And this is a couple issues in a row now. I, where that's I, I think when you're when you're dealing with something like underage kids and and people who are older. It does get very uncomfortable to the point where you're like, this. I can't read anymore. I can't watch anymore. I mean, they had even a very... though you know, even though more than like it's not going to go that route, right? And it probably but, won't. But the fact that it's in your mind and it's playing in the background as to what you do, because you don't know what her it doesn't main feel right. Yeah, because you don't know what her main reasoning is for being pissed at him for sleeping with this woman and stuff like that. And they do have an interesting dynamic. They it is very much a almost like more of an older brother younger sister relationship than a father daughter relationship in a weird way. And they do have a very interesting dynamic with each other, but there then there's that 
those times yeah, where it's like the lines this is blurred. a little weird and i and i'm not and that's not the reason i would be dropping this it's no. just because the care they just haven't made me care about the characters here's a question really quick does this change your feelings for the Winter World series that's going to be on Microsoft's going to be putting out? I see. I didn't read the original run, so if they're going to ba- if they're going to base it on the original run from right. back in the day, then I might. Maybe that would make me care again. Maybe that gives me more of a of a backstory and what these characters have already been through because this was the new series that I jumped into. Right. So maybe that would make me care more. I would still be interested. I'd still watch at least the first couple episodes to see, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm really, I can't tell you. I'm not sure. Well, there you go. That's what we read again. My thing was Jen 13, which was, I said it was a buy despite being confusing. But again, it was one of those comics where you had to start from the beginning, work your way up. Yours of course was winter world and Number you said, seven, drop yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So that's going to do it. Come up next. This week in Geek Tame, we're going to be talking about Justice League, Throne of Atlantis. Stay tuned. More Down Nerdy coming up. Well, it's time to get that little cup of Dippin' Dots and those little dibs that you can get at the movie theater now, those little chocolate-covered ice creams, because it's this week in Geek Tame, and it's DC Animation once again this week with Justice League, Throne of Atlantis, Nick. Yeah, so, again, this is a DC movie we've kind of been, I don't want to say hyping up, but we've been kind of looking forward to it. And i got to tell you, I felt very meh. After watching it, I think I liked it more than you did, but we'll get into that a little bit, a little bit more when we review it here. Yeah. So going over the cast, well, first let's go over the cast because when you look at the cast, you're like, "Holy Christ, is this a star-studded really cast?" Really was for an animated film. Okay, let's go over this really quick. All right. Sean Astin was Shazam. Shazam. Rosario Dawson, Wonder Woman. Nathan Fillion, Green Lantern. Um, then from there. Uh, you had Shamar Moore, who was Cyborg. Jerry O'Connell, Superman slash Clark Kent. Jason O'Mara, Batman, and Sam Witwer as Orm. Who's going to be at Tidewater Comic Con, Virginia Beach Convention Center in May. So it's very cool. We can't wait to actually talk to him at the con about Throne of Atlantis. Because yeah. I thought he is Orm did a very good job. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, is the reason why you look at this cast and everything else. Here's my problem with it. Now, I know it's called Justice League Throne of Atlantis. But, again, this is an Aquaman Film. When I literally, when I, literally when I first looked, I'm like, oh my, okay, it's gonna come kind of solely be around Aquaman. Granted, it was around Atlantis, but I felt that the Justice League, I understand this is adapted from a comic yep. book. Justice series. League Volume 3, Throne of Atlantis, for those of you who don't know. But I feel like Justice League being in there kind of took the spotlight too much away from Aquaman. I understand why you're saying that. I still think it was very Aquaman-centric. Not just not necessarily on Aquaman himself, but on Atlantis and on the people of Atlantis and on Mira, who was a badass. Yeah. By the way, throughout the whole, I mean, in a week that we're talking about diversity in comics, did they prop up Mira in this film or what? Yeah, and by the way, Summer Lee Montano did Mira. I mean, that scene, we're not going to give too much away here, but that scene where she turns the water into the arrows, yeah. and then they disintegrate oh, after yeah. they take out the baddies, that was a eye-popping Now, mind you, in the scene where Justice League are taking down all those bad guys, she's the one pretty much killing them. Everybody yeah, is, like, slicing them down. in half. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's a warrior, though, because remember, Wonder right. Woman says these are warriors, so they kind of get the impression that, right. you know, she's a warrior, and I guess that's what warriors do. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but yeah, I felt like, just like being there, like, the, my thing with, with Aquaman and, you know, Arthur, I felt like he accepted the role of king too easily. The thing that bothered me, that was one thing, but the other thing that bothered me was the part in the movie where they're fighting that giant uh, 
uh, Rancor type yeah, monster, yeah, yeah. and he suddenly summons a whale. Yes. And I'm like, how the hell does he know he can just talk to fish now? Yes. A second ago, he didn't, you know, early in the movie, he's confused about his powers. Now he knows he can talk to fish. Right. Where did that come and from? And part of you thinks, like, okay, there's an opening scene, he's talking to the lobster, but still, I mean, he's drunk. But he wasn't talking to the right. lobster, you know? That's the, I mean, that's a good point, but he wasn't, you know, we didn't see the little thought bubbles come out of no. his head or anything. No, he was drunk, and he was being stupid. But the thing, that was my problem, because it's like, not only did he, because again, this is a guy where he doesn't know who really who his mother was and everything like that, and also it's like, you're a king, really? Oh, okay, I'm going to be this ruler. Granted, there's a part where he's kind of like, I don't want to be this He thing. was reluctant at a, at a, at a but point. But he wasn't but... too reluctant. He was kind of like, okay, you know, very accepting, and again, with the whole power thing, it was like, Wait, um, how, how do you know about your powers? Nobody's really even told you. And stuff I think like that. he was more overwhelmed than anything else when he first like put the right. suit on, and then, of course he strips it off and leaves, and uh, Mira follows him. So I think it was more of being overwhelmed than anything else. So I right. think that's probably a better way to put it. But I agree. It's at the end, it's kind of like you know what? Yeah, let's do this king thing. But part of me thing again going with the Justice League again, I felt it focused too much on Justice League. Grant, like I said it's called Justice League throwing Atlantis. But again, I would have liked to see more Aquaman-centric. Here's the part I could have done without. And this has nothing to do with anything, but it has to do with it being based on being an Aquaman film. The dynamic between Wonder Woman and Superman yeah. and them trying to lead quote-unquote normal lives, yeah. that didn't need to be in here. No. That should have been saved for a different movie. I mean, if you want to focus on that, I'm not saying they shouldn't ever because it's part of what's going on in the New 52. But in this movie... It didn't need it to be. It felt like they were crowbarring that angle. Yeah, it was there. forced. It was thrown in there. And like the dynamic between uh, Green Lantern and Batman, yeah. there was some humor there, Again, but it didn't need to be but there. But it wasn't like, like, I was part of even with humor. I wasn't even really laughing. Again, I felt the whole Justice League angle was crowbarred into it. Granted, it's based on the, the book, but I felt it was very poorly executed. I will say, though, that when there's that scene with Green Lantern and Batman says that we can't just punch these these troubles away and Green Lantern says, don't make this a teaching moment, I did laugh at that. Mm -hmm. I thought that was funny. But I agree, a lot of the humorous moments kind of fell a little flat. I, I always feel like the Flash should be the humor in, in any yeah. Justice League-type movie, and it was Green Lantern this time, and I love Nathan Fillion. But to me, that's just not Green Lantern's role. And another part of it, I felt Shazam was very forced into this. Right. And and I think people are complaining unnecessarily about Shazam's character in general. Not not saying you for no. that reason, but the reason in general is that people will forget he's a kid, guys. That's why he talks like a kid. And they mention that. He's just a kid in a grown person's body. You yeah. know, that's the magic of Shazam and calling the lightning. And that's what turns him into the Superman-like figure. But he's got the mind of a child still. Keep that in mind anytime you see Shazam. Yeah. So for those of you complaining that he was written poorly, he wasn't written poorly. He was written exactly the way he should be. So, right. you know, pick up a comic. Now, the thing is, too, is, is, and I'm all about the big fights at the end. Now, you have the showdown between, you know, Aquaman and, like, Ocean Master and Black Manta. The fights were not that long, nor were they really that epic. You know what I'm saying? It was if, if, even the fight scenes were focused more on the Justice League. They really than Aquaman face something like Black Manta and stuff. I actually thought that the fight scene in the middle of the of the movie, when he was coming out of the water after being overwhelmed, right, and all of a sudden they get confronted him and Mera, and the Justice League shows up. At that point, I actually thought that that was more of an epic battle than the end battle. Right. So they kind of put their epic battle in the middle, which was kind of weird. I agree, but. Um, they really they did prop they propped up Orm too slash Ocean Master yeah. of course but the way he handled the Justice League 
pretty well yeah. during this movie. So I thought they did a good job with that. Um, and that character in general, I thought they did it. And they, the way they called him a, a half-breed and a bastard, I thought that was... <laughs> That was really maniacal. That's one. The one thing I liked, and I'll say, is about the Warner Brothers animation films, like particularly with DC. I like the fact that they're not afraid to go with the swearing, go right. go more adult theme because mm-hmm. you're dealing with these types of serious books or whatever, and the that shows the commitment to to go the extra route. And I think that kind of engages. They know who their audience is, pretty much. You know what I'm saying? I think they should have taken a little bit more of a chance and made this more of an Aquaman film. Yes. I think that that's your main issue with it. But I still enjoyed it. I don't. I didn't mind having the Justice League in there. I do agree that I could have done a little less, though. Now here's the thing. The, the reason why I say it should be more awkward. I think you look at something like the Suicide Squad movie, okay? Um, the the animated film, uh, Saw on Arkham. Yes. And look how they treated Batman. All right. Batman was a secondary character. Yes. I wish they did that with the Justice League. Had they said, okay, we're gonna make this more about Aquaman. The Justice League is gonna be in it, but they're gonna be more secondary. I think that would have been better. I don't understand why they're so scared to death about giving Aquaman the spotlight. After right. what Jeff Johns did to resurrect the character in the New 52 oh, yeah. and make him a badass, just take a chance on Aquaman and let him carry a film. Well, even with like Black Manta, um, I don't think they did enough for him. And the producer of the film, he even said, he goes, Black Manta, there's a special feature where they talk about the villains. Like mm-hmm. They talk about Ocean Master and Black Manta, and the producer... Uh, said he's like seeing that Black Manta character come out like you didn't know he was African American until you saw he's like that was awesome he's like that made me really like excited like oh my god this is you know a black villain never really saw this before I like that they 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 brought out the maniacal side of Black Manta oh yeah I think that they did not do the character justice no. and that was one thing that did upset me about this about this movie was that I really thought that. Black Manta, who is the main nemesis. I thought they should have said more about him. They should have done. They should have made him more of a badass than they did. I think yeah. is my problem with it because you know the, the way he calls up the shark and takes out Black Manta so easily. It shouldn't be that easy. So that did rub me the wrong way. Yeah, but I mean overall, again, this is a film. Like, I, I still enjoyed it. I'm not saying I didn't no, like it. I didn't it. say it was. I just I didn't hate that, it, but I just think that. I think that we were propped up so much by Son of Batman and Assault on Arkham, both of which were so good right. that those were hard acts to follow. And, and this one was good as well, but it just didn't give me the same and that's feeling why, again. And that's why, it's, for me, it's kind of like a rental slash meh because, again— had you shown the the you know the the balls and say you know we're gonna make this an Aquaman right. movie, which they did not do, which they did not do, and make this very Justice League centric, again, and mind you, this is a, the same studio as you know, Grant's it's still Warner Brothers, they're doing an Aquaman live action movie, so it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, if you're not if you're not sold on doing an Aquaman animated movie. Why are you gonna so comfortable, so comfortable doing a live action Aquaman movie? Well, first of all, go to Bob's of Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards in Virginia Beach and pick up some of the Aquaman New Fifty Two and see what they're doing with them, and and then that's how you can answer that question a little bit better for those of you who haven't read it yet. But here's my thing: DC has done such a good job of keeping their universes separate, their right. movie, their cinematic universe, and their TV universe. Are they doing the same thing here with their animated film universe? Because it seems like these animated films 
are the most comic book centric mm -hmm. of all of their films. And do you think that's a good thing and allows them to take chances in their other two universes that they wouldn't be able to take otherwise? Yes, because you're dealing with more of the home audience with the animated films. So you can take more of that risk because, you know, it's one of those things where like, yeah, you go out and buy the Blu-ray for like 20 bucks or something like that. or you buy the regular This DVD. one was actually like 15 too. Yeah. And they always make them a pretty good bargain yeah. other than the special edition. So when stuff. you do that, it's like, okay, it's not that great, but I can still watch. It's one of those things where like, hey, it was, you know, I got a kid or whatever that spend time just to put in the background kind of thing, let it play. Um, because, again, this is a smaller budget. They're not mainstream budget, you know, as a TV or, you know, live action. I think they make these for us. Oh, yeah. So they can take a comic, they can adapt something that they know we love and keep it as true as possible yeah. and give us that. So when they do a feature, they can try and give us something that's a little more new. And one of the final things I'll say about this is that, one, like I said, one of the, the bonus features, I watched all of them. Um, the music was great in it. I watched all that composing stuff. But when you had the behind the scenes look of, of Batman versus versus Robin, you're kind of like, this is what I want. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this is what I'm waiting for yeah. right here. I, I totally agree. I'm will I'm only reviewing that when it comes out. Before we wrap this up, there is an end credit scene in this movie. We won't tell you what it is, but it looks like it sets something up and it does involve Orm Ocean Master at the end. So yep. make sure you watch all the way through the credits. You know what? You know what we should do? What? Secret word time. Really? I, th I thought we should have gone on an expedition to find Atlantis. Yeah, well, we're going to do that, though, but okay. after the show. Because we got, I, we know, got, but have, have we got nerd news coming well, out. Well, I know, but, but having one arm, I can't swim that can't deep. can't just find Atlantis. we got to do nerd news. But secret code this week. Yes. Aquaman. Aquaman. So this Dave & Buster's Virginia Beach secret code for this week's show is Aquaman. So now you're going to want to go to Facebook, facebook.com slash down and nerdy, and message us. Yes. Aquaman. And to get... You know, add your chance to win. You can also tweet us, uh, you know, DM us, actually, preferably. Uh, well, if you're not, well, you have to follow us to DM us. Right. So do that. Definitely DM yeah. us. And uh, email. Email. Downnerdypodcast at gmail.com. And again, the Twitter handle is at downnerdy757. So tweet us, Aquaman, for your chance to win. We'll pick a winner at random. And th you have three chances to win. So yep. get on that right now while you prepare yourself for a ton of great topics. As a matter of fact, nerd news next on Down and Nerdy. Well, it's that time again, Sith Lords and Jedis, where we go around the internet and discuss what's trending, because it's time for what, James? Nerd News! And this week we have breaking news. Actually, Felicity Jones cast in the Star Wars standalone movie. Lead role, James. Question, and, who will she play? Uh, I know a lot of people are going the Princess Leia route. I think that there's a couple of different ways that they could go with this. Mm -hmm. One of them being, it could be... Uh, Han Solo and Princess Leia's daughter. Right. Again, since they've been focusing on the new characters, so I think it could be Jaina Solo. I also think that it could be centered around something that you thought was very interesting. Yes. Uh, I thought that, hey, it's going to be centered around Boba Fett because that's the big rumor. That's kind of thing. Like it's centered around some sort of bounty hunter or whomever, and who, of course, is there? Boba Fett. Now you say, well, Boba Fett's a guy. Well, you know, they're saying that they might do is they might have him like. Last time I saw him in Jedi, he was down the Starlight Pit again. Mm -hmm. um, I must have a timeshare there or something like that. I think he does. But, uh, you know, the thing is, like, they're saying they're going to kind of do like they did with the Thor comics and Marvel. They're going to pass it on. It's going to be kind of more of a, uh, a, a title, really. It could be. Um, I also think that there's a chance that they could do maybe like an Asajj Ventress kind of thing because she's been a very popular yeah. character in, in Star Wars lore and in the in the canon so i just think there's a i think it's cool because she beat out um uh rooney mara and uh tatiana Maslany. there you go from orphan black so i mean 
They've got a lot of faith in her. I also think that a little bit off topic here, this kills the Black Cat rumors officially, I yeah. think. This probably kills that for her being any kind of lead in a Spider-Man standalone film. Yeah. I think that's our that's, that's a, a good thing, killer. though. I, honestly, you know, not to go off topic, but I think that there I don't think Black Cat can hold her own. I think movie. I think that we were very much in agreement on that, but this officially that this is the death blow for Yeah, that. this is the death blow for that. But hey, she stays pretty much within the Marvel family, the Disney family in mm. a sense. So again, I, I'm excited about this. I kind of literally want to see I, I think it will be Boba Fett because I think you know that's kind of what we're seeing. Or just any kind of a bounty hunter centric thing. I think right. that, that is a standalone film that people would well, want to see. For example, a movie a, a game that didn't come to light because this is because Lucas Arts was shut down was Star Wars thirteen thirteen, which is mm-hmm. gonna deal with the whole bounty hunter and the underworld. And that's now this is the reason why I say Boba Fett is people gotta realize when the star whole Star Wars Buying was, ta- you know, by Disney was taking place, and they're announcing the new movies. They pretty much said we're not doing any of the extended canons. We're going to do pretty much fan service in a sense. And there's also a report by the rap saying that Aaron Paul might be the male lead right. in this series as well. So it'd be very interesting because there's a lot of bounty hunters. So if you're going to do the they're bounty smuggling. hunter thing, this could this could work out. See, I would love that. I would love something to I don't, like. One of my main worries about this new Star Wars film is that it's going to be mostly be fan service, kind of like Star Trek Two Into Darkness was. Um, you know, but my thing is, there's there's so much Star Wars universe out there. Please center. Don't do anything that has to do with Jedi's or Sis. Have us deal with something like this, you know? Jedi's would be fine if you do a different angle. There has to be a different angle that you take. We're going to show like a bunch of council meetings. Well, not, and it's this in C-SPAN for Jedi's. It's just, there's got to be different storylines that you can tell. Maybe a character that hasn't gotten enough service. Because there's a lot of Jedi's, but who do they always focus on? They focus on the Skywalker family or the Kenobi's. If you focused on, you know, somebody else in the in the Jedi universe, that could work. I still want to see a Jar Jar claymation adventure. Oh gosh. Ah. Yes. Misa think that would be a very bad. Misa think fuck you. Yeah, I, I yeah. Let's let's just never look at Jar Jar's face again unless he's being run over by a speeder. Yes. I just I just don't want to see that again. But I mean I'm very excited for these Star Wars standalone films and very excited for yet another comic book TV show from DC Comics. Yes, because anything that has DC's name on it gives James a giant throbbing erection. Oh uh, yes it does. And of course, this time we're talking about the Teen Titans and Richard Grayson in the lead. Yes. Well, of course you knew it was going to be centered around Dick Grayson who's they said is going to start off as Robin, but he's gonna have a split slash fallout with Batman, so that's why he's gonna take on the Nightwing moniker in the series. And calm down, that doesn't mean we're gonna see Batman in the Teen no. Titan show. So take a deep breath, fellow now, DC worshippers. An interesting take is that they didn't go the what was it, the New Haven route or whatever it is in the comics. They actually went with the boss, and he's gonna be yeah, some shopping boss. They're, they're not real, doing Bloodhaven, right? Yeah, Bloodhaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're gonna they're going to set up actually in Boston, so using real city names, which is fine. I mean, yeah. don't get hung up on that. But what is interesting to me is, I mean, if you look at if you look at the lineup, of course they're gonna have Starfire. They're also going to be have Hawk and Dove in there who are going to take on their post-crisis and on, on yep. Infinite Earth. Raven's in it, and then Barbara Gordon's in it, but she's not going to be... That's the interesting thing. She's in it. Now, she is wheelchair-bound, but she's not going to be known as Oracle. Because she's not really a Titan. No. So that's what makes it interesting, but... There is that relationship dynamic between Dick Grayson mm-hmm. and Barbara Gordon, and that has to do with the whole Nightwing transformation as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily disagree with them doing this. 
I just wonder how much of a role is she really gonna play? Right now, last time I saw that, you know, talking about that dynamic going back to that Nightwing fan series. Yes. Where she was not known as Oracle, she was known as Barbara Gordon. And I kind of get the impression that maybe that's what we're going to start to see. We're going to see her transforming into Oracle, maybe. Because remember, she Mm -hmm. she was Oracle in Birds of Prey, if I remember Mm -hmm. correctly. That series from the uh, WB years Mm -hmm. ago. So it'll be very interesting to see if they go the similar route and do that transition. Now, fans are a little bit upset because there's no Beast Boy. There's there's no no Cyborg. But I believe... um, DC came out and said they don't. Reason why they didn't want to do a cyborg is because, unlike with a Flash, where there was Wally West and there was Barry Allen, there is only Stone, Victor Stone. So, and I, I think that that's smart. You're going to have him in the movies coming yeah, up. Yeah, so th- that makes sense. You don't need the the confusion there. So just leave him out of it. He didn't need to be in it. No. Uh, Beast Boy, I understand he's kind of a fan favorite, but. but- that doesn't mean they're not going to add him later on in the series, though. I know? actually think that I kind of like that they're going to go with Hawk and Dove. They're, it's kind of like how um, in the Suicide Squad, where you're not necessarily going with these major mainline yeah. characters, but you're going with somebody that's a little bit lesser known, but still very cool characters at the same time. So I like that they're introducing a new a new group of fans to these other characters. Oh, yeah. And again, pick up a comic. Mm-hmm. Like LeVar Burton said, if your kids like like superheroes, buy them comics. Fireflies in the sky, take a look. It's in a book, Reading Rainbow. Reading Rainbow. Rainbow. Okay, we said we'd never do that again. Yes. No, we're gonna. And you we're know gonna that. win a Grammy for our singing. Wouldn't that be great? We could, we could join the other thousands of people. Well, I mean, if, 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 well, I mean if, if Three Six Mafia can win an Oscar, why the hell can't we win a Grammy? This is our spoken word album, one week at a time. Boom, so boom, boom, boom. take notice, uh, Grammys, because we're here and we're coming for you. But I mean, I'm excited about you know the, the series. I want to see how TNT runs it. I think it's going to be really great. I want it to be darker, too. Oh, yeah. I want it to be on the darker side. I know that... People say, DC is always dark. I want it to be darker. I, just like how Arrow is darker. Right. This doesn't need to be the lighthearted teen romp show. This doesn't need to be Teen Titans Go. No, it doesn't. And my son loves that, but he's, you know, four months old. So Where his son is like, he shit. Your son is like shitting in his pants. So exactly. I mean. So he should love it. But <laughs> I don't need that for this. I, I want it to evolve. Right. Because, you know, they're Teen Titans. They're going to evolve into... I don't want to say adults because that's condescending, but you know what I mean. Just like a nice young Squirtle, you want it to evolve to a beautiful Blastoise. There you go. Yes. That's, that's one way to put it. That's one way to put it. <laughs> I think that's a good time to uh, to we, move on. We, we fill, oh, yeah, we filled our Pokemon quota for this show. Yes, we did. So the next story, and this is a big one. So Sony adapt, is, has gotten the rights to the sci-fi comic Descender from Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen. Now, this is the weird thing about it, and this is why it's kind of interesting. The first issue of the comic won't be released from Image until March 4th. Here's the deal. This is the second time this has happened with Image. First time it was with Outcast. Remember, issue one of Outcast mm-hmm. by Kirkman came out, and Cinemax, I believe it was, yes. picks up the option for the series. And at first we were like, well, that's interesting. That's interesting. It must have a lot of faith in it because of The Walking Dead. There's no precedent here. No. Jeff Lemire and Dustin Wynn are very talented, but there's no... Kirkman-like precedent in a series, and Sony has a lot. Now, granted, it looks like it's going to be a pretty cool comic. Well, yeah, it, it, but it's going to follow kind of thing. I've never seen a film AI, but seeing just from the picture, it kind of reminds you of the film AI. It, you know, it's going to follow Lifelock 
lifelike boy robot whose machine DNA may first hold the key to a you know origin of you know, plant-sized bots that wiped out the entire world, and therefore he's Prince most wanted robot in the universe, and thus an outlawed android. We actually reached out to uh, Jeff Lemire and asked him for uh, for a comment on this. He hasn't gotten back to us. Yeah. Uh, we hope to maybe have him on the show to talk yeah. about it at some point. So if anybody knows Jeff Lemire and wants to pass this on to him, we'd love to have him on the show to talk about a whole bunch of different stuff. Because, I mean, if you go to Bob's at Fancy Escape Comics and Cards of Virginia Beach, mm -hmm. there's a pretty good catalog of stuff that Jeff Lemire has done for a lot of different oh, yeah. companies. And you have Wynn, whose his credits include American Vampire, Batman Eternal, which we're both reading, and Batman Little Gotham. Yeah, so, I mean, there's definite talent here. We're not saying that there isn't. It's no. It's weird that before the first issue even comes out, and I'm sure that they've gotten a peak. I'm sure it's not like like buying a car online that you haven't even seen. Now, here's the thing. Then we talked about this when we were putting the rundown together, and we are talking about the sender. And you mentioned, and I mentioned this, I said, because you kind of said, you know, it's kind of weird they picked it up before the first comic was released. I made the point of, yes, but look at superhero films or, or comic book films in general. They're a hot topic. Very much. They so. are your new. Because remember back in the days, how like your actions were, like your Rambo's was your big blockbusters. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, it's your your comics of any type. Like for example, I would not be shocked if in a few years or in a couple of years we see a saga film or a saga TV I'm series. I'm very surprised that hasn't happened yet. Actually, given the fact that the sales for saga have always been very strong, yes. it's so different and quirky. I'm so I'm shocked this hasn't been picked up at least for a series. Yeah. Never mind a feature. Yeah, um, you know and it's a thing. So I mean, you're looking at this, and again, it's like they're pretty much mostly in a sense for the most part a safe bet. Um, of course, it comes down to who you cast and everything else, but. You know, uh, a lot can go wrong with a film like this, though. Yeah. You know, because again, we we kind of criticized uh, something last week for being your. We criticized Fantastic Four. Yes. For being well, this just looks like a regular, ordinary sci-fi film. And you made the AI reference. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, is this something you're going to see? Is maybe this is going to look no matter how good the story well, is, look about, like a sci-fi. We're thinking about this too. You have a film um, like Chappie that deals with this whole android yeah. robot. Belief, but you have Terminator Genesis coming out. Again, are people going to be kind of looking at this like, well, it's just a generic sci-fi? You lump it in. Yeah. And again, this is a year where you have like Jupiter Ascending coming out and stuff like that. So sci-fi, for the most part, has been very up and down mm -hmm. for terms of, of, of it's, movies. It's hit or miss. It's oh, exactly yeah. right. It's either you knock it out of the park or you're going down on three pitches kind of thing. Exactly. And But speaking of not, you know, you're going to go down your three pitches. Something that's not going on, it's pretty much hitting out of the park, is Spider-Gwen. And it's very interesting, too, because apparently the pre-orders for this are nearing 200,000 copies yeah. sold already, according to comicbook.com. And I got to say, I'm a little shocked. Yeah. I don't understand how this got so po I mean, with Star Wars, you understood, because Star Wars comics, it had been forever, and people were excited to get a fresh start. But this... I don't know where the president's coming from. I will say this. I ex did not expect this with Spider-Gwen. I expected this more with Silk. Yes. Because Silk, was, you know. They're pushing her right now. Yes. And Spider-Gwen, like, I'm reading Amazing Spider-Man, so, of course, I'm reading the Spider-Verse right now. Mm. Spider-Gwen, that's pretty much where they introduced her, was the, right. the Spider-Verse thing. Um, where and she's from a dimension where Gwen Stacy gets bitten by the radioactive spider, not Peter Parker. And I know why this is picking up big. Not only because is she a female you know, protagonist. Um, but because if you look at like the art in general, it's very, and even the sto story they're going to both could be doing, it's very lighthearted. 
Yes, and I think that um, they've also got the cover art, one of the variant cover artists yep. coming to Tabwater Comic Con Wilson, in May. Uh, Will Shaper Tatsio. So very excited about that. Hoping to get a chance to to talk to him as well. But here's a quote that I thought was really interesting mm. when I was reading this story, and it was from Dennis Barger, who is of uh, Wonder World Comics, who actually said, and I quote, "I think Spider Gwen will be the book that takes down Harley Quinn." Yes, I saw that quote. Here's the thing, because I'm reading Harley Quinn. I don't expect this to be anything like Harley Quinn. No. It's going to be totally different. So I don't know why you make the comparison. I guess because Harley Quinn's selling so well. Right. So I guess in sales, maybe. But the thing is, too, with Harley Quinn is Harley Quinn has been around for a lot longer. And so that's why you see a lot of the cosplayers and everything else. I just think it's not a fair comparison. No, it's not. I understand that sales-wise, it's going to do very well in its first week. We'll see how it does as it goes, depending on how good the comic is. I want to see how this compares to Silk. I want to see. Yeah, I want to see the dynamic too. I'm very interested. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, we're seeing. We get to in our main topic, but like you see, like Spider Gwen, Silk, Storm. You know, things have been. There's been this, this momentum shift upwards towards female uh, protagonists and, and getting their own comics. But you can give a female their own comic, but you got to do it right. Right. You got to do it well. You can't do it just to do it. Right. You got to do it right. I think they did it right with Harley Quinn. I th- think that the Black Widow comic that Marvel put mm-hmm. out, they did it right. You got to continue to do it right because some of these female centric comics are not working. And Bob over at Fancy Escape. You know, comics and cards. He, I was there last week picking my points. Like, yeah, man. I had somebody come in and get storm number one. You know, I was there when that happened. Yeah, I was actually in Bob's when that happened, and I kind of looked at him and went, "Huh, really? Yeah, okay." Because that's been out for a while. They just grabbed it and decided. Well, to I mean, it this out. is great. Like, I mean, it, you know, it, you know, again, in a day where we kind of like, there's a lot of comics that were serious, and now I've seen this, this Spider Gwen come out where it's going to be more of a lighthearted story and I think it's going to be great. I love the covers. Even the, oh, yeah. a lot of the variants, they look very cool. I, I'm very interested to see the... I worry though because you know how we always say the art on the inside looks nothing like, like the, the cover yeah, art? Yeah, yeah. I want to see if they're going to go with that kind of art I would love that. Now, here's the problem with, with Spider-Gwen. This is why I worry about it. It's been built up so much when you open up that comic and you read it and even though it might be good, it might not live up to the expectations that we built it up to it's going to get unfair reviews or comparisons. You know what I'm saying? I was so scared when I opened up Star Wars number one. Oh, same. Because I built it up so much in my head. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people did. I was so relieved when it was awesome. Yeah. I don't have that same feeling about Spider-Gwen. I want it to be awesome more than I think Well, you, you never awesome. want a comic property to fail. No, absolutely not. That's that's not what I'm saying at all. It's just that with Star Wars, it was a much bigger deal, and I didn't... It's like when you meet somebody, like one of your idols, Yeah. and you and you walk up and you're like, oh, please don't be a dick, please don't be a dick, please don't be yeah. a dick, and then, and then they're not, and you're relieved. You're like, oh, thank God. Yeah. But then every now and then, you're like, wow, didn't see that well, coming at going all. Going to Star Wars, not to go off on a tangent, but was, uh, again, the main reason why we were so worried was because it was at Dark Horse for so many years, yeah. and now it's the first time it's changing of the guard. And that's why you kind of say, okay, how's Marvel going to do it? And they hit it out of the park. And this is a big deal, too, though. Not as much as Star Wars, but I mean, this is Gwen Stacy in a totally different light being brought back through the Spider Verse. So I just, I really hope that they do this right. Exactly. Well, that's going to do it for Nerd News this week. But coming up, it's our main topic. We're going to talk about diversity in comics. We have a really in-depth discussion. Stay tuned. More Down and Nerdy coming up next. Well, you know, we like to have a lot of fun here on Down and Nerdy, but every now and then we've done a lot of serious topics in the past, and this time 
We just thought it was time to tackle diversity in comic books and the geek culture. Now, I want to get something out of the way right now. Uh, I realize that, you know, we're a couple white guys talking about diversity, and maybe we don't have any credibility here. You're thinking, well, somebody's got to talk about it. Yeah. It's not our fault that we are this way. Right. And we have to talk. I mean, we, we feel like this is a topic that needs to be discussed across the board, and I think that we both kind of started thinking about this more and more with the Jimmy Olsen casting on Supergirl recently. The thing is, I, I look at it this way. I don't think I don't care what color you are, black, white, purple, whatever. You can have a fair discussion on diversity. Yeah, it doesn't matter, I think. I mean, it, on certain levels, you can't understand certain things. Right. Because you can't, you've never been in that situation what, specifically. But what, there are situations you could be in. Right. That's it's different for everybody. Well, I think I think your skin tone, depending on what it is, I don't think it should set the precedent for your stance. I don't think it should matter. Period. No. I think that that's something we're all human beings. Said right now, and I'm a, I'm very much a, and I know that you're this way too. I'm a best person for the job kind of guy. Yes. If you're the best person for the job, I don't care what you look like. Yeah. As long as you do the job the way it needs to be done, and well, that's all I care about. Yeah. Just do the job. It, when they did the Supergirl casting, that's all I cared about. Yep. Was that if he does a good job, what difference does it make? I posted on my Twitter. I said, I go, listen, DC or Warner Brothers saw something in him that said, hey, this guy can act. They didn't care, you know, you know, about his, his skin color. This guy came in, and you don't know who he auditioned against. No. You know? We have no idea. It's not like they had a bunch of African-Americans auditioning for the role of Jimmy Olsen. We don't know that. Maybe they did. I don't know. But, but we can't assume that. Right. And he actually tweeted, if I remember right, thanking his talent agency for thinking outside the box. Yes. So clearly, they just said, you know what? Let's see if they would be interested in him doing this. So good. I can't remember what the name of the talent agency was. Mm -hmm. But good for them for doing that yeah. and saying, you know what? What do you think about this? Right. And that's the thing is like you look at like that and people are upset. Like, like people are upset with Will Smith, you know, playing uh, Deadshot and oh, he Will Smith's black. Like, again, skin color shouldn't matter. It's can you act? I think that, and I was thinking about this last night as I was preparing for the show. And nerds are very accepting of a lot of things. Right. Right. We're very accepting people, but at the same time. And this has nothing to do with racism. I, I just no. want to say that right now. I just think nerds in general are just very protective yes. of their culture and their characters, the stuff that we grew up with. And I think right. part of the anger here is from the is from from our perspective, it has to do with the trendy nerds. We feel like they're invading our culture. Mm -hmm. They're calling for all this change for stuff that they don't know anything about. Right. So that makes us angry, not necessarily at the choices, but at the people who think they know something about something that they don't at all. Right. And the thing is, too, is you look at that. I want to build on what you just said. You know, you, you look at all this change going on and everything else, and it's, I think it's the purists. Nerds, when it comes to the comics, are very much the closest thing you'll get to purists. And again, I said this on our Facebook page. I said it on my Twitter. I said it on our Twitter. I said, listen, nerds have to realize that this is 2015, and a lot of the comic characters they love today were written in times where it wasn't, you know, it was it was looked down upon or or, or to be a minority when it you know it shouldn't have been or female or female and you know these characters were written during times where allies who were very much mistreated yeah 
And you got to understand that you got to be open to changes. You know, that's the thing. And I go, Grant, I understand it's something that you want to look at and you don't want it to be changed. You got to be open to the idea of this. Again, this is 2015. We talked about this in the beginning of this of this, of this uh, main topic. You know, it, it's all on can you properly do the role? And people are saying, and somebody um, I was talking to on Twitter said, well, if they made Superman black, I go, well, there was an alternate universe. in an alternate universe. Where he was African-American. Yeah, and I think that that's okay, too. You want to change things and all. And I think that's when it's even more okay. Yeah. You want to do an alternate universe or a one-shot or something? That's totally different as well. I mean, how good do you really feel, though, if that happens? If you're an African-American right. and they made Batman African-American tomorrow, yeah. how good do you really feel about that? You just a great sense of pride. It's, 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 it's is important. it, though, or is it like, really, you did this? Is this like a, is this like a token, you know, throw-out kind of thing that you're going to do Are you this? saying because they changed the race just to change it? Yeah, there's two different ways to look at it. Is there a sense of pride there, or do you say, oh, you just did that to try and bring in another audience and get us it more all, interested? Kind it of all comes on the if the person can act and everything else, and that's what it comes down to. And I'm not even saying I'm against it at no. all. What I'm saying is, is there's two perspectives yeah. here. Is it because, you know, it's like, you know, finally, we've got this. Well, is that something you want to say finally about? Right. Is what I'm saying. Because, I mean, think about it. Think about a character like Black Panther who's going to get all kinds of screen time. I mean, Fantastic Four number 52 was when he debuted, and he was really the first... African-American major superhero, 1966. Right. I mean, he joined the Avengers in 68. That's a big deal. Yeah, and that is a huge deal. Yeah, right around the time the Civil Rights Act was signed. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a big deal that it didn't take very long. And then, of course, followed quickly after that by Luke Cage. In 72, and then John Stewart. The Green Lantern made his first yeah. appearance in the same year in Green Lantern number 87. Now, I mean, granted, as far as, like, Cyborg's concerned, you know, he started out in the Teen Titans and then ev eventually in right. modern, modern times morphed into the Justice League. But, I mean, even look at the villains. We talked about Black Manta yeah. earlier. You've got to keep in mind, Black Manta was in Aquaman number 35 in 1967. Yes. That's a big deal. Again, going back to our review of Throne of Atlantis a couple uh, uh, seconds ago, I we watched the extra features. The producer for the film, who is African American, said that blew your mind in a very positive way. And it's funny because the, the name of the character is Black Manta, which you could say, well, maybe that's a little condescending. Not really, because he wore a helmet and a dark suit. Right. And you know, black being a you know, and you know, because they all the imagery for for villains. Typically, they wear black suits. So right. Like, if you watch wrestling, anytime they turn somebody oh, evil, yeah. they put them in a black, black suit kind of thing. The NWO. Yeah. So, I mean, th that was the connotation. It wasn't that he was an African-American male. Mm -hmm. It was the suit. It was the helmet. It was the evil nature. I mean, if he didn't take off the helmet, you wouldn't know. Even in sports, the Oakland Raiders. I mean, this this does go back a little bit further than you think. And yeah. I think that it, even more so, especially for the African-American community, I think that they have really gotten a lot more... Um, involved in the nerd and geek mm -hmm. culture as far as, you know, more roles are, are coming to them. You mentioned Will Smith. Yeah. And, of course, Michael B. Jordan. And, yeah. and as far as feature and, films And even when, when Michael B. Jordan was first cast as Giant Storm, I even told people, I said, listen, man, I go, 
He's a great actor. Yeah, but that but there was a reason that didn't make sense. Right. Because they're supposed to be twins. If they right. were both African American, there would have been no problem. Right. Which I honestly and I, I say is if you're I wish they made Sue Storm African American. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? If they're supposed to be twins, they don't necessarily have to look exactly like they could be fraternal twins. But you can't have. You know, you can't yeah. have it both ways, is yeah. what I'm saying. I and mean, if you're going to do the diversity thing, go all in. Don't try to have it right. both ways. But right. I think it's I think it's just very interesting how far that goes back. Mm-hmm. And I think that for women, it's the same thing. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, all, I mean, Wonder Woman's been carrying the flag for women since 1941. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I think that was what? All-Star Comics number eight? All-Star Comics number eight, yep. Which, which became one of the three people that made up DC. Three but what companies. was cool is, and we were talking about this, how... She had her first cover in 1942. Yep, Sensation Comics number one. And everybody remembers that cover. Mm-hmm. So Wonder Woman has been, and she's a founding member of the Justice yes! League. And this goes back to, what was it, 1960? Mm-hmm. Think about that. So a woman has had a prominent role in comics mm-hmm. since 1941 oh, and yeah. then joins maybe the biggest superhero team of all time. I hope I'm Say that Justice League are the biggest superhero team. Granted, and this is coming from a Marvel yeah, game. Yeah, I just event- didn't want to piss because, off well, Marvel no, people The anymore. reason why I say it is because you look at like, the Avengers you know, and stuff like that. But again, JL, man, I believe they were all around before. And Super Friends and stuff like yeah. that. So there's been more recognition for and that mind team you, and the reason, back then. And the reason why I say this, too, especially you know, when you speak about women. Okay, you look at She-Hulk, okay? Um, it's, in 1980s, she had her first... Comic parent, right? It was uh, Savage She Hulk number one, and that was a couple years run, wasn't right? It? And then it wasn't until 1982 she became an Avenger. So Wonder Woman was a founding member of the Justice League, f- almost what 40 years or whatever, 20 years yeah. before She Hulk was a member of the Avengers. And you can even talk about the villains as well. We mentioned uh, Black Manta. What about Catwoman? She was Batman number one in 1940. Yes. So even women being evil, and which then, was again, that wasn't done. And then in the 40s. Supergirl appeared in Superman 158. I know, and that was 1923, I mean. Yeah, and that was 1958. So, I mean, and I think women have, I mean, Black Widow, you can mention her too because she was 1964. Right. I think that was uh, Tales of Suspense number 52. Yes. So, and I actually think that, um, spoiler alert for Agent Carter, we might have a little bit of a Black Widow-ish yep. thing going on for Agent Carter, maybe an mm-hmm. origin type thing there. I'm not, it just seems like that's where they're going yeah. in this, uh, in the last episode of Agent Carter. So, I think that as far as diversity goes in 2015, mm-hmm. I think we're seeing a lot from African American point of view and the female point. And of going view. back to the African American perspective, uh, you know, you watch there was a couple of documentaries I watched about comic books and just like their role in society. Well, you look at like the prominence of like Luke Cage in the seventies. That came during a time where black exploitation films were major market was a major market. Mm-hmm. You know, and to this day, it still pretty much is. I You're mean, talking about the shafts when shafts, shafts started to become more popular. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. Um, uh, I can't think of some. I think Superfly was another one or something. I think like so. That. Yeah, uh, for sure. But you had that kind of, you know, look, and that's why Luke, you know, Luke Cage created and everything. Well, it wasn't why, but it was during that era, though. And part of the Defenders as well, which yeah. is going to be the series coming out on Netflix. So that was, you know, with Daredevil, with AKA Jessica Jones and yeah. stuff like that. So I mean, keep that in mind too. This was back in that and, particular time. And I want to again reinstate that we're here at Down We're all for diversity, like you know. And, yeah. and the reason why we're having this discussion is because it's one of the things that needs to be talked about. And the reason why we're doing this too is again because I was very much pissed off. I know James was of the reaction people had to the. Jimmy Olsen casting. Yeah, we were very upset, and I don't want to be upset. No, but the thing is, is that nerds, I think at the time, I don't mean to criticize, but they're very, 
too overprotective. I actually, I, I actually think that, and like I said, when I was thinking about this, I actually think that because we feel like the trendy nerds are invading our culture. We've talked about trendy nerds a right. lot in episode two. We feel like they're invading our culture and trying to tell us we need to do things, but they don't know anything about, about it. it. They don't know that some of this stuff has been done for decades. And, pe- and the thing is, you know, we're doing this main topic. Like, people don't know. Like, we spent, what, almost four hours yeah. doing research. Yeah. And, I mean, we're, we're going we're going to go into a lot more uh, other groups as well that are being yeah. represented. But we just want people to know that, you know, we just talk about diversity. And, and we hear a lot about how, well, Marvel's been a lot better at diversity than DC. And I don't want to get into another no, Marvel versus DC discussion because there's good points on both sides. And I actually not- think, and I'm going to say it right now. Marvel and DC mm-hmm. have really done a pretty good job with diversity. And that's the thing is, is it's not about Marvel or DC. It's about the human race in general and yeah. how we view characters. You know, like I said, it saddens me how you go back to prior books and everything else, not just comic books, just writing in general. In general. And people who are of color or of a certain uh, gender were looked down upon. And it's sad because it's like, you know, now we're getting a Storm comic. Now we're getting, you know, Black Widow. And well, I mean, Storm was the first African-American real major superhero for yeah. women back in 1975. If you've got Giant X-Men number one, you know that. Yeah. But um, I the, the only thing that, uh, that bothers me about it is that I never wanted to feel forced. No. You know what I mean? Because there's no pride there. What 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 is there to be proud of if it's forced? Right. You don't want to do it just to do it. You should do it because they were the right person for the job, mm-hmm. or they were the right person for the role. I think that that's how you do this, and I think that's where the sense of pride comes from, mm-hmm. where they're the best person for the role, and especially, and even in comics, if you're going to bring a cyborg into the Justice League, mm-hmm. which DC did uh, in the New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. there had to be a reason. Yeah. You couldn't just say, oh, guess what? Cyborg's in the Justice League yeah. now. You had to build his importance. And I think they did that in that, you know, he is a pretty badass character. Yeah. If you really get into all the things that he can do. Yeah. So especially, I mean, you saw that in, I mean, as much as you were throne upset Atlantis. about Throne of Atlantis doing the Justice League, you saw what Cyborg was capable of. He was of. the main reason why the Atlanteans knew that Ocean Master did what he did yeah, in the movie. He put the recording right up there and they and that's what how everything kind of unraveled. Yeah. So he played a major role yes. in that movie it, even though it was for just a second. So I mean I do think that especially in 2015 things are being done better but yeah. I don't I think one of the main reasons I wanted to do this I wanted people to understand that it's not like this is just happening. No. It's been happening. Yes. And it never should be forced just because. No, but the thing is, now that we live in the social media era and everything else, and even, you know, a lot we have a lot more information in our hands, a lot of people, no matter what your skin color is or gender or whatever, can pick up on stuff like that a lot easier. And I think that you don't need to be a certain ethnic group no. to want to pick up a comic. No. I don't think you should want to pick up a comic if you're an African-American just because Storm got her own comic. Right. I don't think that's a prerequisite. Right. Why would, because that's condescending. Yeah. You know what I mean? You should want to pick up a Storm comic because you're interested in the character. Yeah. It shouldn't matter what race they are. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There should be no, well, we'll get more African-American people to buy comics if we do this. No. 
It's a, you know, she's a character that deserved her own comic. Yeah. That's why they did it. Just it, if it happens to help diversity, then that's a good thing. But diversity should mean sharing across all ethnic groups. Yeah. It shouldn't be targeting an ethnic group. Right. You know, maybe, you know, we learn more about the African-American culture by picking up a comic. Yeah. Based on an African-American character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that goes both ways. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's part of it that nobody's really thinking about. Yeah, I mean, you look at, like, the days of radio, for example. Like, you look at oh, God, yeah. Like, back in the 1930s, man, Cato from Green Hornet. Yeah, you want to talk about Asian character, and, and he actually evolved over time, didn't he? He did. Uh, yeah, he, he, you know, first period in the radio series in 1936. Now, in comics-wise, it was pretty interesting. In 1940, Hellenic Comics did six issues of, you know, uh, Green Hornet. And... It, he his origin changed, to, mm -hmm. but it was mostly because of the time that it was done. His origin evolved from being Japanese to Korean to Filipino. Now remember the time. Remember your history, kids. 1940. 1940. What happened a few years after that? Well, a year after that, really. Yeah, I mean, think about it for a second. So why was he not Japanese anymore? And and then the thing in the comics is important to talk about how they changed the wording from um, him being Greenhorn's Japanese driver to his friendly companion. Right, and and I think that that's another thing that's being done right. You don't need to point it out. Yeah, you know that that's where people get upset. Yeah, you don't need to point it out because that's the whole point. It shouldn't need to be pointed out because no. it shouldn't matter. That's the whole point. That's one of the big points of this discussion. You don't need to say this is Daredevil's African American friend. Yeah. It shouldn't matter, and they don't do that anymore. And yeah. I think that that is one of the big steps. That not just Marvel and DC, but across the board, Image, Dark and, and, Horse, and I want people to IDW. I want people listening to this to realize this. We're not saying we're saying because we want to be PC or anything like that. No, we're saying this no. is how we feel. This is how we feel, and, and we shouldn't have to sugarcoat it. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is, is sugarcoating it and also just having an honest discussion. And and that's the thing. You know, it's it's we feel that, you know, here at Down Nerdy that we're all about the people. It's, it's about it's 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 it's, you know. The person's character and, and, you know, you don't look at race or anything like that. I will say that, and I've never really talked about this on the show, uh, and I'm not going to name names again because I don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, I was, it was kind of intimated uh, at one point when we were doing the show that I was maybe sexist. Yes. For some comments that I made on a story, which I won't bring up. If you want to go back through our shows and find it yourself, yeah, please do that. And I've never really said it, but I really took offense to that mm -hmm. because I think anybody that knows me knows that I'm very much the opposite. Or knows us. Yeah. They and, went to, and, there were people who were at Tidewater Comic Con and met us and they, hey, these guys are cool guys. we had a lot of women on the show. Yes. That, and a lot of women that love the show. And we love that you listen. I mean, we just we were looking at our stats mm -hmm. and it breaks it down, you know, male and female and age groups. Women are like live listeners. Yeah. A lot of our listeners are women. It's almost split right down the middle, believe yeah. it or not. So there's a little peek behind the curtain of Down and Nerdy. Yes. But I, I'm moving. I, I really did. I, it, I took it hard. I did yeah. because it was, I felt like that wasn't a representation of me, but because yeah. I was giving and, and I, and I play devil's advocate a lot, but because I presented an opposite perspective, mm -hmm. I got a label put on me. Yeah. I did not like that, which, which I'm sorry, but in today's day and age, it is sadly easy to call somebody a racist or a sexist. Yeah. And, and for just but, having an opposite point of view. That's not, uh, uh, uh I want like derogatory or not. My negative. wife was very upset too, by the way, but yeah. you know, I kind of like calm down, honey. It's okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and I got over it because I know I'm not that yeah. way. And people are going to say things and again, and you can't control it. And, again, people who know us know, you know, we're 
open. We're very open-minded. I mean, yes. that's why we're talking. And that's about the this. point of this discussion, and that's why we weren't we weren't scared to talk about this yeah. because it needs to be discussed. But there, the, and but there's eye-opening things, and we wanted to bring a little bit of the history of it for those who don't know, mm-hmm. who think you know, for those who still think you know, there needs to be more diversity. Well, we want to let you know that it's been happening yeah. for a while. Like I said, when the whole Jimmy Jimmy's thing came out for Supergirl, and like I said, that really pissed me off. Because yeah. I'm like, because I look at I'm like, I even said this on my Twitter. I said, you know, I go, we're, we're supposed to be this loving community that supports one another mm-hmm. and ideas and people of all walks of life. Mm-hmm. But yet you're you're destroying somebody or a character, or even you're posing death threats. You know, that's that's really and, ridiculous. And, and people, for example, um. When they casted the, uh, the 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 young version of Storm, okay, mm-hmm. a lot of hate th- tweets yeah. and everything was directed her yeah. way, and I'm like, that's not cool, man. And people were like, oh, she's the wrong. She's even people said like, oh, she's the wrong color for it to be Storm. I'm like, I'm like, she's the wrong shade. I'm like, you're an asshole. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's really ridiculous. And I think that they've done a very good job in. I mean, we kind of briefly touched on TV and 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 movies. They've done a great job with diversity there recently. Yeah. But back then, you know, in movies years ago, I think that they were so much more afraid to not stick to source material. Right. Or be, I don't want to say true to the character, but Mm -hmm. that's the only way I can think to put it. Yeah. But they were so scared to try something different back then because of the, there was more, it seemed like there was more backlash then than there is now, but there was no social media. And like I said, yeah. And that's, and, that's, and that's one of my, my main problems is that social media is it gives people the idea to hide under anonymity, which I think is bullshit, by the way. The one, the, the two areas when we were doing this research that we maybe thought was a little bit interesting was, first of all, the Latin American community. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you don't see a whole lot of the Latin American no. community reading comics. Well, we were looking and we were thinking, okay, who was a major... Uh, Latin American character in comics, and it took a while yeah. for us to come up with anything. I think that the first one was uh, what White Tiger. White Tiger was the first one, yep. and he was uh, 1975. Yep, he was. A, he appeared in Deadly Hands of Kung Fu number 19. So I mean, so 1975. You think that's not bad, but I mean, just look at some of the other ones like Kyle Rayner. Ninety four. Was ninety four was the was Green Lantern. That was Green Lantern uh, volume three number forty eight. Miles Morales. Yep. He was. He appeared uh, in 2011. Miguel O'Hara, 20 number, you know, Spider-Man 2099. It was 1992. Yep, and we've seen him in the Amer- Amazing Spider-Man run and mm-hmm. Superior Spider-Man, and of course he debuted in uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 365. Yeah, we can't forget our X-Men either. No, Sunspot. Sunspot that was, was Brazilian, the, right? Brazilian, yes. So I mean, that was 1982. Now, if you listen to that list and you're thinking, what jumps out at you? Right. Not much. Right. Well, I mean, Miles Morales, I think, was stick out to me. But a lot of people, like, I don't think they would realize a guy like Kyle Rain or Kyle Rayner was right. Of Latino a lot descent. of people wouldn't because his name's Kyle Rayner. Right. And that doesn't necessarily scream Latin. No. So now I don't think it needs to be a stereotypical. No, name it doesn't either. So now don't go there. That's not what I said. I just think that, and again, I don't think you need to throw it in people's faces. No. But at the same time, it just seems like okay, if we're talking about, you know some need for diversity here, maybe it's there. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we need to write comics in Spanish either. No. But, you know, maybe that's a group that hasn't been represented as much in well, comics. That's the thing is I was looking through the list the other night of just because, you know, we we're doing research together. We we're like, you know, look at how many, you know, Latino 
characters come up that were major and i look through the list i'm like there's sadly there's not a lot you know yeah. and, and i mean think about it for uh, even arabian descent rachel ghoul yeah is technically in certain i know that there's a lot of different variations in right. origin but you know Ar arabian descent is uh one of the ones that you'd point to there for the uh, batman number 232 in 1971 right. was Raisha's uh first appearance mm -hmm. and you go back and forth with the origins there but if you want to point to the the arab descent and I know we have listeners in the Middle East. Yes. I mean, that's isn't he the guy you kind of point to? I mean, there's not a lot. Like, no. the, I looked again. I looked at it. Or, you know, I looked at Persian. I looked at everything else. I've, I've, you know, other characters of Arab, Arabian descent, and Raish was the only one that really stuck out. I mean, I know that there's been movies like Prince of Persia and uh, right. video games and stuff like that. And I know that that you've had. Uh, I mean, I guess you can't really count Aladdin, right? No, and you had well, you had uh, Haji and Johnny Quest. Yeah, and and that never really translated but Haji to comics was just, a lot. Haji, though, if you look back, he was very much the stereotypical. Yeah. Near well, offensive. if you look at comic, I mean, if you look at cartoons back then, a lot of them are actually being edited now right. for release today, and that makes me furious. Mm -hmm. I hate that. I realize that it was very stereotypical mm -hmm. and maybe you don't want to pass that on to your kids. No. Totally get that. Yeah. But if you don't present something in its in its original form, do you not learn from that? I think that pretending stuff didn't happen isn't a way to teach our kids. Right. And that's why I get furious when they edit things out of these cartoons from the 60s. Don't edit it. I want my kid to see this and maybe he asked me about it. I was like, well, you know, back then. It was a different time. Things were a little different. But that doesn't make it right. Right. Just like, should we gloss over all the stuff? That, like, should we just write the Holocaust out of the history books and pretend it didn't happen because it was a horrible thing? No. Should we write the civil rights movement out of the history books because everything leading up to that mm -hmm. was a horrible thing? No. You need to learn. history. The whole point of history is to learn from it so you don't repeat it. Yeah. Like, for example, like one of the movies I saw, it was Selma. And that was such a powerful film, yeah. man. Yeah. Like, it's a powerful film. So I don't think you edit stuff that's happened because how are you ever going to learn? Mm -hmm. There has to be basis for things. Yeah. And I think that by editing this stuff out and saying, oh, you know, we never did that. You mm -hmm. did. You did. Okay? And it maybe it wasn't okay, mm -hmm. but that's part, that it happened. Yeah. And that's how you understand the way things were back then and why things are the way they are now the way they are now exactly but i mean you know you look at the you look at, you know you look at these characters and everything else and uh uh well miss manumis marvel yes is of arab descent right so that was a change that was made recently mm -hmm. so i'm not saying that we need to flip and make a bunch of uh, arab superheroes now or anything like that not saying that at all because again i said earlier it doesn't need to be forced right and sometimes i feel like it is mm -hmm. still I think you're doing it just to do it. I don't want to, you know, point out any specific examples. Right. Because I don't want to infuriate anybody that loves the particular comic. But I do still feel like sometimes it's forced. So how do you do this Okay. without making it feel forced? Do you think that there's a way that it needs to be done? Or do you just do it? Um... I know, like with with the new Miss Marvel, I believe she made an appearance in the Spider-Man Amazing Spider-Man run that's going on. Um, certain there's two ways you can do. You can either do it like a, um, the slower way, where you make him like a, a couple of guest appearances here and there, and then you put him that way, or you just say, you know what, dive right into the pool. Let's just make this new thing. Do you reboot the character 
and make it and give the character a totally different name and a totally different origin well, to do it that way? Or miss- can you pick it up with the same name? Because I think if you're going to do this, mm-hmm. and I think that the Green Lantern Corps is a very good example of how this this has been done over time, where you don't. Hal Jordan was an African American when they made an African American Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. They brought in John Stewart and they did it that way, and they gave it. A, they give you a totally Sir, different well, a lot, origin. I think, well, one thing, and I think we're seeing this now, and that's what I like, is that a lot of the names are being mostly title only. For example, yes. like Miss Marvel is now I believe her name is Kamala Khan, mm-hmm. um, and but she has different powers. Like you know, it's just like. She took over the mantle of Miss Marvel. Right. Just like Dr. Fate's the same thing. It's yeah. the, it's whoever has the helmet. It's the mantle. Mm-hmm. You know, wielding the power of Thor with Milner. Yeah. It's stuff like that. So, I mean, I think you've got to create a new character when you do this. Now, I'll say this. Going to the whole Thor thing we talked about, when, you know, when the whole thing started to happen. The reason why we got upset at that was because Thor is, isn't... Is, is, is like a Norse god right. set. That's why we got upset about it. You know, we, should, we came off with the opinion of... They should have done something with a new character, a new female character. They should have done his the thing with his sister. Yes. Why didn't they just do that? Or um, uh, what's her name? Thor's love interest. Uh, Sif, Lady Sif, Sif. Lady Sif, or Sif. Um, it, why not do something with her? Like, like build upon these characters. I don't know why they didn't do it that way. And that, and that's, we were more upset for Lady Sif, I think, than yeah. anything else. Like, what? She, so she gets screwed again. Right. She doesn't get Thor in the movies. No. She doesn't get the mantle of Thor in the comics. She might as well just quit her job. Right. I mean, well, I mean, just go work at Asgardian McDonald's or something. I don't know <laughs> because she's not going to get the job of Thor. It seems like. Yeah. But I, I just think. That and and I meant that specifically for comics when I said you needed to to recreate a character from scratch, yeah. you know, give them a new name and if you're going to give them the mantle. I didn't mean that for for films or TV because I think you can adapt that, right? Just like they're going to do with Jimmy Olsen, just Again, like they're going to do with Johnny to, Storm. When it comes to TV and film, it comes down to what do the casting people see? Yes, that makes them say this person's a perfect fit. And do you know what they see? They see an actor playing a role. Yes. And I think that... They don't see, hey, here's someone who's African-American or Asian. They're going to play this role or whatever. Like that. They see, hey, this person, we invite them to our casting call. Let's see what they can do. And hey, they outperformed everybody at the casting call. And I'm going to say something that's going to be very upsetting probably. But you need to start admitting this to yourself, comic book fans. Our comic book heroes are not historical figures. No. It's not like making Martin Luther King Jr. white or Hispanic right. or, or Asian. You can't do that because he was a living man. Right. You have to make him who he was. Yes. You can't change that. Abraham Lincoln can't be an Arab guy. He just can't because he was a living human being. Yeah. So you, you, you just have to wrap your head around Superman is not a real no. person. No. So if they decide to make changes at some point to characters like Deadshot mm. or Jimmy Olsen, these weren't real people. And I know people are going, oh, how yeah. dare it? Don't stop, stop it. it. Just stop it. We love these characters just as much as you do. But I can't go shake Batman's hand in real life. Right. Bruce Wayne is not going to sit in front of us here and be on Down and Nerdy. It's no. just not happening. So let's just be real for 10 seconds. And that's seconds. the thing. And I'm glad you brought that up. That's the thing. That's why I don't care if they change the race of a character or anything like that. Because the character's not a real historical figure. Now, if they end up sucking... 
in the movie or in the TV show, I'm going to go back and say, okay, so you did that just to do it. Right. Because if, like, if Jimmy Olsen ends up being awful Mm -hmm. in Supergirl, let's just say he's awful. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you're going to go back and say, well, well, they must have just done that because they wanted to be more diverse. Right. Then you've got an axe to grind. Like, let's say Michael B. Jordan is the worst Johnny Storm ever. Right. But going with that, it'll be more of also he's Trank's boy because he was on Chronicle. Yeah, I hate that too. Let's hire him because he's the he's he's our guy. <laughs> let's see. Yeah, that's my guy. Like, look gonna, at look at look him. at the Flash and Iris. Yeah, that's another perfect example, and that's. Interracial, yeah, too, which is something that you never saw back, back in the, the day. day, and again, different times. But and and that's the Flash is a perfect example because it so doesn't feel forced. Even well, even was in comics, they had the first gay wedding in in comics too. They had a gay Green Lantern, yeah, recently. Now, granted, that's happening recently more than anything else, but, but still, it happened. And it's an awesome thing. They're exploring the whole, the whole Gotham lesbian relationship between Barbara the, Gordon and. Uh, yeah, detective there. exactly. So, and that is, there's precedent for that. Uh, John Constantine has some bisexual tendencies right. in Hellblazer. They said that, you know, they're not necessarily thinking about going that route in the series, but they're not ruling it out. And I'm not saying they have to do that because they don't, but that door is open. These things have happened. Mm-hmm. There's been precedent for this that didn't just start existing in 2015. And that's another thing that people who scream for diversity need to realize. If you're going to scream for diversity, you need to do the research that we did. And hopefully this show is an eye opener for you to say, hey, you know, what? maybe this stuff's been ha- been evolving longer than we think. Yeah. Like I said, you know, you look at like, Going back over at Cato and that, you know, and stuff like that. Back when the days were like, we were shocked. Like, yeah. you know, it was it was awesome. I remember listening to the Green Hornet radio. My grandmother had the Green Hornet on audio tapes she recorded with him and the Lone Ranger. They were, you know, different shows, of course, but Green she still had, Yeah, I mean, had it's them. Just, and it was awesome. Yeah, you know? and that's that's exactly the point. And and the Cato show, like, you look at Green Hornet's history, Cato is a much more popular character than Green Hornet. Bruce Lee played Cato. Well, just in general, Cato, because Cato was the badass. Cato was a martial yes. arts expert. It doesn't get any more important than Bruce Lee when you're I'm, talking about a no, character. I'm not even talking about Bruce Lee. I'm saying, in general, Cato is a more popular character because he is the ass kicker. But what I'm saying is that's how big of a deal they knew Cato was. Right. If you're going to go out and get Bruce Lee, they could have gotten any Asian Asian actor to play Green Horn to play Cato. No, they got Bruce Lee because they knew how important Cato was. And yeah. you're right, he's the ass kicker. If anything, it should be the Cato and show. And you want to talk about, here's a show we never mentioned, Charlie's Angels. Yeah, that's another good point. For women. Yeah, that that's was, another that very good big. Point. It's one of the biggest shows in television history and in, in pop culture history. And when they did the movies, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Charlie African-American? I'm not sure. In the in the Charlie's Angels films that they did? I'm not sure. I think it was. Was it Bernie Mac or something? I th- No, Bernie Mac was Bosley. Bosley, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. Bosley, that's what I meant. There yeah. we go. Yeah, and that was not, in the, if you remember the Charlie's Angels TV show from back in the day, Bosley was not African-American. Yeah. So there you go. There's another example of, of how they changed things right there. And I don't remember there being a huge uproar over that at the no. time. But again, social media, right. and that's the thing that starts, that's the straw that keeps stirring the drink now. <laughs> and that's where all the outrage is coming. You know how hard it was to vent your feelings to the world back in, let's say, 1985? Mm-hmm. You know, you had to do a letter to the editor. You had to actually mm-hmm. take a pen, 
write something down, send it to a newspaper, and hope they publish it. But now you can just send out a tweet and say, hey, we like to see this. You, you can Instagram that. your frowny face yes. if you want. I mean, come on, man. But, I mean, in a sense, it's like, you know, starting to wrap this up a little bit, but when it comes to diversity, again, we had this conversation. We were discussing this, you know, and it's like it needs to be done. We needed to do something around uh, something serious. And, again, it was that time of, like, when last week when Jimmy Olsen's story broke, it really upset us because it's like yeah. it upset us how close-minded a lot of people are. I'm going to say this right now, and I would never say this normally. If you come out of this discussion that we just had, and you've mm -hmm. listened to the whole thing, and you come out of it thinking that we are racist, sexist, or any kind of negative connotation, hit the stop button. Mm -hmm. Just you need to go away yeah. because we'll never convince you. Yeah. And I think this was a very fair and open, honest discussion here. Um, you can challenge us on our views. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're furious after listening to this, I can't help you. I yeah. just can't. I, and, we and, had an open-minded discussion about this. Go back to our past podcast. We've talked about this stuff. Yeah. And we've been, uh, on, you know, supportive. And that's the thing. That's who we are. That's what the geek community should be. We talk about even with cosplay, for and example. And a lot of them are. I don't want to say none of them are, and and I, I really hope I didn't give that impression. Right. I, I just I just we need to be an open-minded group, and I know that we all love these characters, and change is hard, especially when we've got people invading our culture right. and trying to tell us what to do, uh, because we feel like nerds feel like they've been pushed around enough in life as it is. Right. So I understand that it's hard, but you know, it's just try to keep an open mind. Yeah. Look how many things have worked out over the years where you were upset about it. And then it worked out mm -hmm. for the better. So just, it, it can work out. And the thing is, I, I speak to, I want to speak to all nerd, nerd culture right now and people who listen to this podcast who maybe have the opposite viewpoint we do where it's more closed-minded. You know, my thing is this. If you if you consider yourself a nerd, I mentioned this earlier, you have to be loving, you have to be supportive. That's yeah. what we're all about here. And that's what the whole nerd community should be. So if you're a nerd, like, be supportive. You know, hey, they come out and say, hey, we're changing the race of this character or like that, you know what? You might not like it, but give it a chance and right. see where they go with it, you know, and, and be behind it, you know? And again, it's just the fact of, hey, you got to understand, like James mentioned, these aren't historical figures or pop culture figures. That's the most important thing. And, you know, here at Down and Nerdy, we are open-minded. We're, you know, and the thing is, like we said before, we open this discussion. It doesn't matter what race you are, or creed, or whatever. As long as you're a good actor, and that's and that's most more than likely what they see in you in the audition process. That's important. How can you, you know, give a different dimension to this character? You don't have to agree with it, but you have to respect yes the opinions of other people, especially when they're going to bring you actual statistics and data yeah. showing certain things that are happening. And I think that that was one thing that I feel like we really did in this discussion. You don't have to agree with us. You can even challenge us and post your comments to this, to this episode one way or another. Right. We'd love to hear from you because we want to create discussion. And we, if anything, I think that we should be given credit for having the guts to talk about this at all. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of shows that would do this. It, or, not, or even, I'm sorry, I'm going to call this a lot of podcasts that would just tiptoe around the, the, not really an issue, but just a topic. Yeah, and I think that this is something that we don't like shying away from anything on the show, and we really hope that you appreciate 
us having an open and frank and very educated discussion yeah. on a topic that's a very hot button issue right now. And again, you know, I know I think people are going to listen to this. And I said we might have some detractors, but a lot of people I think are going to come, are going to listen to this, and they're going to say, you know, what these guys. And the thing is, a lot of people who listen to this know us. Like they've met us before, and they've and seen what we do. Many and... people have said these guys know what they're talking about. Yeah. So, and we appreciate those of us, those of you that have said that. So we we don't just you know, randomly spout off things. We we look into it. We make sure that this is what actually happened. Yes. So if we give you statistics, you know, maybe we're wrong on some of them by a year or two or something. You know, please correct us if we are, if there were any first appearances that we might have missed. Yeah. Please do that because, you know, sometimes you don't catch them all. Yeah. So, yeah, please add to the lists if you have any that we missed. Yeah, and, and people who might say, well, there's this character, this character, this character. We, like I said, we did hours of research for this. And we and, went with main, you know, major characters yeah. that everybody would know. Yep. Um, you know, and that's the thing. So, I mean, it's just like, you know, our our, our final thoughts on this is just, hey, we had a discussion. This, and again, again, when you talk about something like diversity and stuff like this, it's not easy to talk about. No. It's not. It can be uncomfortable. Yes. But, but we're you not, know what? It needs to be talked about. And again... I don't mean to hammer this a thousand times, but when we saw the whole Jimmy Olsen thing and people reacting to the storm casting, it's like, come on, people. Like, yeah. really? You're going to be that close-minded? Like, yeah. really? You're going to be, oh, well, we love people. Yeah, if you love them, then you should support the fact of that they're being honored in some way or another. If the, if the character from of Jimmy Olsen was African-American from the very beginning, mm -hmm. would that make a difference? No. No, it wouldn't. So think about it that way. Things can change, and they can change for the better, and they're not necessarily changing just because. Yeah. It's because this person was right for it, yeah. and you need to give them, at least give them a chance. And with that being said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Down and Nerdy. Don't forget to RSVP for our 50th episode live at Dave & Buster's. Um, also, quick big shout-out to Bob over at Fancy Comps and Cards for again, helping us with what we're reading and everything else, and there's going to be some polls we're going to be picking up and everything else. Matter of fact, there will be for the we've – been, we've been giving away the $20 coupons for Dave & Buster's, yep. the gaming coupons. We will have an exclusive giveaway that you can only get – for that, at Fantasy Escape Comics and Cards in Virginia Beach. And don't forget, the secret word was Aquaman. So, again, send that to us at, at uh, downnerdypodcast at gmail.com. Message it. Do not post it on the page. Because we will delete it. Yes. Because we D don't want the secret word getting out yes. there. Yes. Send a direct message to downnerdy at Facebook, you know, facebook.com slash downnerdy. Send us a direct message. Tweet us at downnerdy757. Um, I'm on Twitter at Merck with one arm, James. I'm at James Ace with him. And hey, you got all of our socials. So that's three chances to win, by the way. If yeah. you message us on Twitter, I mean, yeah, message us on Twitter, message us on Facebook, and email us, you'll have three chances to win the two $20 gaming coupons yep. from Dave and Buster. Again, it's not going to be the first person that posts it. This is all going to be at random. It's going to be very random. And, you know, we're honest guys. We're going to make sure it's random, so don't worry about that. And it is February 25th at 7 p.m. Dave and Buster's of Virginia Beach. I do want to point out, these coupons are for Dave and Buster's Virginia Beach. Yes. So keep that in mind. And it, you don't have to just use these at our event. They will be good for the day of the event. Mm -hmm. You can also use these before the event, too. Yep. So if you want to you know, figure out what games you want to play when you come to our mm -hmm. event. And that's going to be the great nerd debate, by the way. We'll be posting all kinds of stuff on the event page, asking you questions, what would you like to see kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mike Federale from Tidewater Comic Con is going to be there talking about the con in May and everything that's coming up for the two-day show. And, and we're having a, couple, a bunch of surprises that are going to be there. Again, 
the the room holds about 50 people and RSVPs are filling up very quickly. So again, and mind you this too, just because you RSVP does not it, it guarantee you seat really. Yeah, because this it's a limited room capacity. So make sure you RSVP very soon. And like it said, starts at 7 p.m. If you want to get there early, hey. That's the thing. And that's what I wanted to bring up. Like I said, it's kind of like with a movie theater. Just because you get your ticket doesn't mean you you know, get to sit together. I know we're not talking lawn chairs and, and no. lining Linhaven Mall, Virginia Beach, or anything like that. But, you know, if you want to get there a little earlier, grab yourself a cheesesteak before the event. Yep. I recommend that. So just do that. And, of course, wanted to do a quick mention of this. There's going to be another Mega Nerd garage sale for Tidewater Comic Con mm-hmm. on Valentine's Day, February the 14th. You go to the Tidewater Comic Con Facebook page and get all the information on that. And with that, I leave you with this. Always pray safe, Convo Green. Always bag and board your comics and also be excellent to one another.